Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. It ain't the left side or the right side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. Our Twitter handles are BrianCatNFL and Fanatic underscore Pick, that's with a PH, on Twitter. Paul, four games down, 12 to go as the Miami Dolphins fall to 0 4. They lose by 49 in the first game, 43 in the second, 25 in the third, and now 20 to the Los Angeles Chargers. They're outscored 163 to 26 this year and have not scored a point in the second half throughout the season. So a lot of ugly stuff going on. At least we can say it gets a little bit less ugly every week. Or is that is that really trying to look too much on the positive here? No, there were, at least we can look back at this game, and there were things that I think we're both going to talk about that we liked. I mean, and that's a big thing. I know we looked at some of the positives from some of the other games, and really, if, if our, and, and this goes out to our listeners too, if you take this season the way that you phrased it earlier this, this earlier in the season, which is this whole season is basically an extended preseason for Miami. And if you take it with that grain of salt, you look for positive players. I mean, Lord knows I'm sitting there watching and my gut is still yelling at me that I want to win. Uh, There was a bit of time in that first half where it felt like we really were going to turn it on and pull it out. But at the end of the day, this roster is too depleted to really do those special things, even if we see the flashes. And the flashes are what we need to look for here. I mean, we saw some flashes from Rosen in this one. We saw some good and bad. We saw some flashes from Devontae. We saw some flashes from Preston Williams. There was a Gesicki sighting. Kenyon Drake was starting to get utilized appropriately, as was Kalen Balage. So, you know, you start looking around and you can see the flashes. I mean, you look at what Miami's got in cap space for the offseason. I know we're going to talk about it a lot. You look at what they've got for draft picks. You know, there's at least a third of this roster that will not be here next year. So you have to take it with a grain of salt and look at the positives. That's for sure. And, you know, to to go a step further, I I look, I I think I've got this team pretty figured out other than just saying they suck. Um, When you look at the last three games, I mean, with three minutes left in the first half against the Patriots, the Dolphins are down seven to nothing. And they're down, I think, 16 to nothing or 13 to nothing at the end of the third quarter. 
then they get blown off <laughs> off the field 43 nothing um last week against the Cowboys it's a 10 to 6 game at halftime and it's a game we all agree the Dolphins should have been winning at halftime and then this past week here heck four, there's 4 minutes left in the first half it's 10 to 10 and the Dolphins have the ball in 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 field goal range so this they're not getting blown off the field all game so that's the best thing that I can say but <laughs> They don't score a point in the second half, and they, and that's pretty hard to defend. But going back to what I was saying, I think I've got this team really figured out as far as where things continue to go wrong. Is First, nobody can get to the quarterback on defense, and that causes major, major problems. You know, And you look at the quarterback performance of the other quarterbacks we faced this year, they have a quarterback rating of 137.6, and they're completing 75% of their passes with 12 touchdowns and one interception. So you're not getting to the quarterback, and at a certain point, there's a breaking point where the defense just starts getting rolled. Then from that point, the opposing defense starts teeing off on Josh Rosen behind this very, very poor offensive line that if you just pin your ears back, you're going to close that pocket within two or three seconds just about every time. Then the offense starts pressing to try to make up for it. They become one dimensional and then Josh Rosen completely falls apart too. So that's where we are at this point. We still have to be looking for some signs of life and we'll get to those as we get to the position by position breakdowns. Now at quarterback, Paul, at one point in this game, and I'm going to be saying at one point in this game, many, many times this year, because there's always a breaking point. At one point in this game, Josh Rosen was 12 for 16 for, I believe it was about 165 or 155 yards and a touchdown. I mean, we were loving what we were seeing out of this guy. And then in the second half, there was a period of about a quarter and a half where he was one for three for three yards in interception and three sacks. So that's where it happens when the offensive line starts to break down. But at the beginning, you saw the 34-yard touchdown to Devontae Parker. Great read, great throw on that. Um, you know, but you can't discount a complete lack of anything in the second half, even though if, even though Rosen was stabbed in the back throughout most of that second half. You can a little bit. You can discount it a little bit. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head with something that, that actually I, I was fully prepared to follow up with. Uh, but you beat me to it. The fact that this offensive line is not good enough to play from far behind is is key in that whole second half fiasco that Miami's been facing this season. There are no adjustments that they can make short of going max protect and sending one person in a pattern, which you might as well not do, that will help this offensive line when the defense doesn't have to worry about the run anymore. And Miami keeps getting to that point when, you know, say, for example, hypothetical scenario, Eric Rose suddenly decides to suck massively again. Um, you know, hypothetically speaking, because we're not talking about the cornerbacks yet. And, and and allows a few big plays. And next thing you know, Miami's down by two scores. And yeah, the defense does can all but abandon run defense because basically Miami running at that point it puts them in their own grave. So 
really you look at that and when Rosen had some semblance of a normal NFL pocket, he was phenomenal to me. Like, I mean, especially given the growth that we're seeing week to week with this guy. I mean, I, I'm not saying that he is the guy by any stretch, but yeah. I'm also not saying he isn't. Yeah. I mean, it, in the second half, when you get sacked as many times as you throw the ball over, you know, between the end of the second quarter and the middle of the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. And it, it, it's just, I can't blame the offensive line because they're, they're just not good enough. I mean, we looked back at this offensive line in week one and thought, oh, God, this is the worst unit I've ever seen. And then Jesse Davis isn't playing in this game. Julian Davenport's on IR. Danny Isadora's on IR. And the other guys are doing the best that they can. But, yeah, the let's go back to how the game itself unfolded. Um, you know, in the second quarter, with 4.30 left, the Dolphins had the ball first and 10 at the Chargers, 34. And at that point, it was really a back-and-forth game. I mean, the Dolphins were staying with them. Then Jason Sanders misses another field goal, which we'll get to later. Then the Chargers come back and score on a 60-yard drive, capped off by Austin Eckler, catching a touch, touchdown with a missed tackle from Rashad Jones. Then the Dolphins march right down the field in 47 seconds, get another chance to put some points on the board. Jason Sanders misses another field goal. It's a long field goal. It was 52 yards, but it's something we drafted him to make. Then in the third quarter, the Dolphins go three and out immediately. Chargers following it up by really the backbreaker, and that was a 10-and-a-half-minute drive. They only got three points out of it, but it put the Chargers up 20-10 to 10 at that point. And like you said, Paul, once this team gets up, or once the Dolphins get down by more than a touchdown, it's just so hard for them to come from behind. Yeah, and I, I just want to add insult to injury on Jason Sanders. Two missed field goals. San Diego's punter was making field goals on the other side of the field. And that just that just hurt um, over and over again. Uh, you know, watching Sanders, who is a kicker, miss field goals and their punters trotting out there and making them. Only against well, Miami. Paul, only well, against Paul, so Miami. Far, so far for the show, we've only called – uh, than the San Diego Chargers one time here today, which is a lot better than what the refs did because the refs specifically said San Diego three times on penalties. So, <laughs> Well, we specifically we're, named our last episode with the game preview uh, Miami versus San Diego, so I can't oh, say gotcha. a That's, word about that. Thank well, you to our listeners for pointing that out for me. Troy, <laughs> <laughs> we're not the only ones. It's, it still doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Um yeah, it's you know, look, some some decent individual performances. Let's we talked about Josh Rosen. There started at one point was twelve for sixteen with over hundred and fifty yards, a touchdown, was looking very, very good. And I think if the game had gone at that pace and the Dolphins could have made a few plays on defense, then they could have stayed with that pace. Ends the game seventeen for twenty four, hundred and eighty yards, a touchdown and a pick. The interception was really ugly, and in the end zone where he almost got – there was almost a safety on him. Yeah, Isaiah Prince got destroyed by Joey Bosa on that play, but he rolled out, and Devontae Parker's jumping on the sideline 20 yards downfield for him to get rid of the ball. He doesn't, takes that sack there, and that was kind of the end of any momentum the Dolphins had on offense. But So the way I look at it, his first half 
I'm going to say was an A. His second half, we're going to range it somewhere between a, a D and an incomplete. So overall, I'm going to give Josh Rosen the C plus again this week. We're right in the same range here for a lot of the same reasons. I completely agree on the first half. I mean, I was getting excited watching him play in the first half before San, uh, before L.A. took the Good damn job. lead. See, you, you, you caught yourself. They they almost be almost wound up being wound up being San Angeles at this point, or Los Diego. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. One of the two. But you know, the second half was rough, and, and it is hard to grade because basically the Chargers have too good of a pass rush tandem to be held at bay all game, especially when they don't have to worry about Kenyon Drake anymore. Kenyon Drake was keeping the Chargers honest until they got the lead, which put Josh Rosen in position to succeed. And then the second half, as you said, it's hard not to give him an incomplete. But I'm going to go with a B-minus here because of the signs of life I saw in the first half with anything resembling an NFL offensive line, which they're able to able to hold together until they, they get behind. Yeah, on that one play with the sack uh, near the end zone, too, Rosen did something a little odd. He took Kenyon Drake from his right side and moved him to his left side, which left Isaiah Prince one-on-one with Bosa in a five-step drop. That was not a good decision by Rosen, or which I would have to assume was by Rosen. So, but, you know, it's it's just hard to protect the quarterback with this line. And, and I think Rosen's doing the best he can. And when the running game is going well in the first half, as it was, then it, it really helps the balance with that, too. So at running back, I agree with you on Kenyon Drake. I don't agree with you on Kalen Balazs. Kalen Balazs in this game played only eight snaps because he dropped a very important pass near the end zone. I mean, this is a ball where the Dolphins at this time are down 10 to 7. Josh Rosen puts it right in there, and Balazs may have, all he had to do was catch the ball, turn up field, and he at least gets to the two or three yard line. And then we could be talking about a 14 to 10 Dolphins lead. He dropped that ball, and I'm pretty sure that we didn't see him the rest of the time, because in the second half, Mark Walton played 13 snaps. So I like what I see out of Walton as a backup running back. I hope they use him more. Kenyon Drake had nine carries for 44 yards, and I'm pretty sure that all of them, most of them, if not all of them, were in the first half. Nine carries for 44 yards, three catches for somewhere in the mid-20s. So did a very good job in the first part. But Kalen Balazs needs to be set in pins at a bowling alley. I mean, I, I don't want him anywhere on this roster at this point. But, you know, we were like this for the last two years of the running back. There's so little to judge on. I think Drake did a very good job. I hope the Dolphins re-sign him. I don't think that's going to end up happening. But, you know, let's go ahead and give give the running backs a C. And the reason is because Kalen Balazs' drop touchdown with so little of a sample size brings it down considerably. I'm going to give him a C-plus here. And I'm with you on Balazs as far as the passing game goes. I don't want to see him anywhere in a route tree it's ugly he ducks passes he drops passes you know it's it's you almost need a carnival barker standing in front of him he drops passes he he ducks passes he gets away from them altogether. you know just something along those lines and you know it's just 
But I will say, coming in as a change of pace, he was okay blocking. I'm just going with okay. Uh, but for the first time, I saw him lower his shoulder and use his big-ass frame to bowl through a couple of guys on his carries. And if you've got Drake running over around, over and around folks and wearing them down, and then basically somebody who's built almost like Brandon Jacobs coming in and lowering a shoulder, it's going to be effective. But you have to utilize him situationally in the proper ways, which there were flashes of, but then they lost their damn minds and set him on a pass pattern. So I'll give him a C plus. And it's again, borderline incomplete because once the, the chargers got that lead, they got away from the run. You know, Belage has the size, but he is a typical looks like Tarzan plays like Jane type of player. I mean, when he gets behind his pad level, yeah, he can, he can get five or six yards where some of these other backs on the roster may get stopped in their tracks, but that's pretty much the best I can say about him. And he just looks lost on pass patterns. And after a year and a half, you got to start picking this stuff up. And I'm not sure he's ever going to, I'd like to see more Walton because I mean, I, I really like Mark Walton. I, I, I think he's got some ability and he's still only 23 years old in his, in his second year in the league. So we'll see what happens as far as, as the snaps that are given out. At wide receiver and tight end, I am really getting irritated by Mike Isicki and Jakeem Grant. I mean, on the season through four games, Jakeem Grant has 52 yards, Mike Isicki has 51. So combined from these two bums, they could they have barely over 100 yards on the year. I know Jakeem Grant has more talent than he's shown. I think he's still going to come around. I can't say the same about Mike Gesicki. Um, wide receiver, the bright spot of the season, you've got to look at as Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. I mean, they're on pace right now after four games to have a, a season over 800 yards. <laughs> and I think they're a couple of drop passes away from that number being a lot higher. But the bigger thing is you can see the ability of them. You, you can see the size. You can see that they can do things that other human beings can't. So I'm, I'm encouraged by that. The Devontae Parker touchdown was a great route on a 34-yard pass. He started out in the slot, went upfield, and beat the coverage. And he also made uh, two really good effort catches, too, one of which was a diving catch by the sideline that should have led to a field goal. But it ended up not being that way. So, you know, because of Williams and Parker, it, the grade gets moved up a little bit. But ooh man, the rest of the receiving core is not looking good. So I'm I'm gonna go with a flat C. Yeah, I think we finally figured out how to keep Preston Williams from dropping the ball, and it's to to tip the ball to him. Uh, judging by this game. I love the focus to to really go after that ball when it's tipped. He got he got one that was tipped by Gasicki earlier in the game, and then uh, another one that was tipped, uh, I believe, by the someone on the Chargers defense. I can't recall who off the top of my head. And you know, it's my only issue with Preston Williams at this point is the drops. It, it's he's getting very Parker esque with the drops as far as past Parker, but. Hopefully he can get that ironed out and we can see semblances of the player that we all thought was so special two games into the preseason. But, yeah, again, Jakeem Grant needs to get it rolling here. And I really, really, really am getting tired of Albert Wilson being on the walk and wounded list. I, I know he can't help it, but at a certain point, you have to start to wonder if his body's a little too brittle 
for the NFL at this point. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. He should be back after the bye week, and he'd be badly needed. And you're right on Preston Williams. I mean, you take out that 25-yard tip pass, and he's only got three catches for 19 yards in this game. He did struggle to separate here. Um, you know, I, I think I think both of these guys, you need to get deeper in pass patterns, but the line has to block long enough to do that. So the, the running game needs to work, the play action needs to work, and the receivers need to get downfield. And it's hard for those things to work in unison right now. The offensive line, you know, it, like we were talking about, Paul, in the first half, the Dolphins were running the ball somewhat effectively. I mean, you look at Kenyon Drake having – you know, almost five yards a carry, which is almost unheard of at this point. And I, I think the Dolphins only allowed one sack in the first half. And then things really started to break down in the second half, as things tend to do, because w- when they start getting down by a certain amount, they've started got to start throwing the ball down the field. But the big news here, Isaiah Prince dresses, not starts, but dresses for his first NFL game at right tackle against Joey Bosa. And the Dolphins did a really good job of keeping tight ends Durham Smythe and, and Nick O'Leary into help Isaiah Prince. And then I thought Isaiah Prince did a very good job when he got the opportunity to block downhill a lot. In in unison with Evan Bame, I thought they combined for a couple of nice blocks. So it wasn't all terrible, just the lack of talent wore on throughout the game. Jamarcus Webb had a big penalty that, that negated a big play, too. So, you know, I'd like to rate them higher talent-wise, but I I just can't do it. They're the root of the problem and and the root of the problem on this roster uh, because they just – we can't rush the passer and we can't block anybody, and and that's a terrible combination. So, overall, going to give them a D plus. I'm going to give them a C- for a lot of the same reasons, and and I'm not going to beat these poor guys up. I mean, this is – Miami had a – unenviable position to begin with at the beginning of the year as far as the offensive line went. Got even worse when Tunsil got traded. Got even worse when half of their setting pins in a bowling alley crew got injured and they had to get the guy the guy that backs up the guy setting the pins at the bowling alley to come out and help. So there's some promising young players that I think will be on this roster next year and I want to see a lot more from them. But again, as we've talked about, the fact that the Chargers were able to pin their ears back was just brutal and detrimental to this team. You bet. And let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. You know, Charles Harris, I think the big news in this is he got 26 sacks, Avery Moss got 43, and Taco Charlton got 48. And I think that speaks to a lot of different things with how this roster is going. And good for this coaching staff for not – giving Mike Kosicki and Charles Harris more snaps simply because of where they were drafted. So I'll kick it back to you on the front seven. Taco Charlton, Charles Harris are just not good enough. I don't care that Taco got a sack in this game. They're just not good enough. They're not strong enough, and they're not tenacious enough to, to be pass rushers. I want Rake McMillan and Vince Beagle out there every snap you think the quarterback may possibly drop back at this point. At least you see the effort. At least they get there a lot, even if they, they aren't turning it into sack numbers. They're, t- they're putting pressure on the quarterback. You see some of that if you look back at the first half. Um, and really just Taco and, and, and Charles Harris, I'm over them. They, they can go take those offensive linemen's job at the bowling alley. 
at this point, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's I don't want to see them anywhere near this roster next year. I'd rather have Rake and, and Beagle rushing the passer exclusively until we can get a real pass rush threat. Yeah, and I looked at uh, some PFF stats. The 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 guy with the most pressures was Vince Beagle with two in 11 snaps, and mm-hmm. that that says something there. Yeah, Taco Charlton did get a sack, but if you look at the play, and it looked impressive at the beginning, um, he was being blocked by a tight end one on one. So not 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 much to write home about there. I, but then again, I don't even think Charles Harris could do that. Avery Moss at least looks like he's an improving player, which is something I can yeah. I could say more so than the other players. I mean, Avery Moss is in his second year. He's a raw player. I don't know if he'll amount to anything, but at least he's gotten a little bit better every week. Um, at defensive tackle, Davin Gotcha and Christian Wilkins, solid players. I, I don't think you're ever going to get more out of them than what you see here, and that's fine. They're defensive tackles, but what needs to be noted here is that the Chargers running backs, 28 carries, 80 yards in this game, so a little less than 2.9 yards a carry. Dolphins did a very good job against the run, and if you take out the second half of the Cowboys game and the Mark Ingram first carry of the year where he went for 50 yards, they've been doing pretty good against the run, and they're staying in their lanes. It's obviously none of it's good enough right now, but it's at least promising there for the future yeah I'm with you on Rake McMillan I think he is what he is he is not a he's not great in pass coverage but I think when he's charging up to stop the run he fills his gaps very well and he's getting even better at that and he needs to be sent to the quarterback much more often uh, when when he is on the field Um, Jerome Baker and Sam Aguavion look they get wiped out if a line, an offensive lineman gets their hands on them, and that's no secret. Baker's 6'1", 215 pounds. Aguavion uh, is six foot two twenty six. So they are what they are. I still think they cover a lot of space in pass defense. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going on and on here. But overall, not enough pressure on the quarterback. Stout against the run. And the linebackers cover a lot of ground, but they can get punched in the mouth too. So, the, the pass rush just takes this down so much, and I'm going to go overall. I'm going to go overall with a C. I'm going with a B minus, and I agree with you on a lot of that. I did think it was a better game from Jerome Baker than what we've seen so far this year. Uh, Sam McGuavian, I, I still like the guy out there, and yeah, I mean, turn Rake into a defensive end at this point. It, it's so much better than anything we have, including Avery Moss, who I do like as an improving player. Let's move on to a defensive back. I mean, I, f- I feel really bad for these g- for these guys, except maybe Eric Rowe. Um, I- I'm going to kick it back to you on the DBs. Jesus. Eric Rowe, uh, I remember messaging with you throughout the game, like, dude, Eric Rowe sucks. Eric Rowe sucks. And, you know, like, it, it's just, it just goes from bad to worse. It's like, it's like Eric Rowe remembers who he is at some point during the first half and just destroys the entire game for the Dolphins. And, you know, maybe he maybe he loves two and he's got a tank for two a shirt at home. I'm not sure. But Eric Rowe drags the grade for the secondary down so much. I thought Rashad Jones was all right. I mean, first game back, first game of the year, first action in forever. Um, really, the entire secondary, I thought, played all right, especially without Wiltz in there. 
But and Xavier Howard got back to doing Xavier Howard like things and actually showed some real good propensity and run support. But I can't go with anything above a C because Eric Rowe almost single handedly destroyed this game if it wasn't for the special teams. I agree really on everything you said there, except Rashad Jones. I mean, Rashad Jones, I, I thought was responsible at least somewhat for both of those first two touchdowns, one to Tremaine Pope, one to Austin Eckler. Now the the one to Pope, it was kind of one of those situations where it, it was Rivers and Jones and Pope alone in, in a, you know, 10, 10 yeah. yard part of the field there. So he either had to pick going to get Rivers or covering Pope. He probably should have just let Rivers get the first down. It would have been first and goal at the five, but whatever on that one. The second one was really bad, where Austin Eckler caught the pass. He was one-on-one with Jones. Jones didn't get wide enough for some reason, and, and he scooted right by him. But it also, I thought Jones allowed several passes against him, too, and some of that might be due to the lack of pass rush. Bottom line is, I think Rashad Jones is probably the most overrated player in Miami Dolphins history. I'm sorry, but for every play this guy makes, he lets up seven more, especially at this point in his career. I'm done with him, and I think the Dolphins are going to be done with him here after the year. I did like what he said earlier this week, that he's a Dolphin and he wants to be a Dolphin for the long haul. I'm not sure if I want him here. So I'm going to give this unit a C- minus for that reason. Um, two things, two players I really want to see play more this year. I want to see Ken Webster play more and I want to see Stephen Parker played more. Stephen Parker and Ken Webster combined in this game, again, I'm going to go back to PFF grades on this, combined for over 90 snaps in this game. They let up one pass for seven yards. Um, I think Webster is, again, a big boundary cornerback. I would love to see him overtake Eric Rowe, which to me should be a no-brainer at this point. Parker kind of starting to look like that Chris Clemens, where, yeah, he's not going to make a lot of plays back there, but he's smart, and as the last line of defense, that's what I want at that safety position. So two guys to keep an eye out throughout the rest of the year. Special teams, Paul, uh, Jason Sanders. Look, I'm not going to put any blame on this team at the feet of a kicker, but last week against the Cowboys, I am. misses a fi- <laughs> he's going to miss a he misses a 50 plus yard kick, and that could have been a 10 to nine game at halftime, and within a span of four minutes. He misses two long field goals. I mean, again, he's not missing chip shots. It's not embarrassing like that. But when you miss three kicks wide to the right, something's going on there. So hopefully he has the talent to, to turn it around. Matt Hawk, you know, I, he just has these games where he's great, games where he's terrible. And I don't know which one he was in this game because he had a 57-yard punt, but it should have been a 35-yard punt that the punt returner was so shocked didn't even get to him that it bounced and rolled by him. So, and also on special teams, Jakeem Grant finally had a big play, returned it up to the 40, was called back on a hold by Durham Smythe. So overall, too many checks in the negative boxes for the Dolphins. Special teams, they get no higher than a D-plus from me. For me, the special teams is easily a D-minus, and the only thing that brought it up was Jakeem Grant's return, even though it got wiped out by a hold. It, it's That's the only thing that brought it as you pointed out, that was a terrible punt that took a lucky 20 bounces um, for Matt Hawk. Jason Sanders missing two field goals was just absolutely heartbreaking and deflating for the entire team at that point. And, you know, really would have put them in a position where they were still in that game. 
would have kept the defense from pinning their ears back. And instead, here we are, six points less. And, you know, an idiot with three missed kicks in two weeks. And a punter that can't seem to effectively punt the ball down the field. So, yeah, I, I'll i put it at a D minus and I'm being generous here. Yeah, I definitely missed Aaron Rizzi already. Don't know how much of an effect he had on the kicker and punter, but, yeah. Um, so I'm going to throw it back to you, wrapping it up here. Who is your player of the game and who is the one we send to the Coke bus? Player of the game, I'm going with Rosen. It's He had such a good first half until the defense was able to pin their ears back, which I don't put on him. He did all he could, but I really liked what I saw, the flashes I saw, the improvement I saw, and the fact that he came out and led this team until other factors took him back out of it. So I'll go with Rosen, despite a few mistakes. As far as the Coke bus, whew, I got two guys in my head. As bad as Jason Sanders was, it's hard not to throw that Eric Rose way because he was just absolute hot garbage. But the Jason Sanders two missed kicks were just nails in the coffin, both emotionally and completely in this game. So, Jason Sanders, welcome to your first trip on the Coke bus. Yeah, those were guys for the positive and the negative I was considering. My star of the game – it's hard to see one player that, that stuck out for a long period of time other than Rosen in the first half. So I'm going to go with Christian Wilkins. I, I thought he had his best game as a pro, and I'm liking that defensive tackle combo of, of Gotcha and Wilkins with Raekwon McMillan behind him. I think in run defense, it's providing a stout run D lately. I mean, I, look, if you look at the yards per carry in the air, you won't see that. But if you take out the Cowboys' second half as well as the long run by Mark Ingram, I think overall they they do a pretty good job. And, hey, 28 carries for 80 yards in this game, pretty good. And and it kept the Dolphins in the game for most of it. Um, My Coke bus player of the game is I'm going to gladly put Charles Harris on there again. And like I said before, I didn't expect much from him out of this out of this year. I didn't. I was hoping maybe after after good reports came out in training camp that maybe he would get a little bit better, but that hasn't happened. First game he faces Ronnie Stanley. This third game he faces Tyron Smith. Second game goes up against impressive Isaiah Wynn for a half, and does nothing against them. But I thought, you know what? Now he's facing Trent Scott in this game who is not an NFL caliber player replacing Russell Okung. He does nothing. He largely gets taken out of the game for players that were just on the street only a couple of weeks ago. So if there was not proof that he was bust before, unless something majorly turns around, he's definitely going to be that player. Mike Kosicki is not far away in my opinion. That will do it for our breakdown of the Miami Dolphins and Los Angeles Chargers game. The Chargers pull this out 30-10. to 10. Dolphins have a bye week next week, and then they face the Washington Redskins after that, which will have major implications at the top of the draft order as this season progresses. You can follow Paul and I on Twitter at BrianCatNFL, as well as Fanatic underscore pick. And you can also follow us on the Finn side, on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side.
side for the right right side and it must be a fifth love listen dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again these days work is in trouble we've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries and with that we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things american giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide they make all kinds of high quality clothing and activewear like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.